Transforming care through genomic medicine, personalized therapeutics, health services and outcomes research, and innovations in healthcare delivery. We're Children's Mercy Kansas City, presenting our audio interview series, Transformational Pediatrics, with host Dr. Michael Smith. Welcome to Transformational Pediatrics. I'm Dr. Michael Smith, and our topic is Deep Brain Stimulation for Pediatric Treatment of Dystonia. My guest is Dr. Brian Albers. Dr. Albers is a child neurologist specializing in movement disorders and deep brain stimulation at Children's Mercy Kansas City. Dr. Albers, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. So how common is dystonia? Uh, dystonia, uh, the numbers are probably greatly underestimated because we there are several different types of dystonia. Dystonia uh, can either be genetic or secondary to uh, injury, such as we see in children with cerebral palsy. Um, so the overall, it, it can be as much as half of children that have cerebral palsy can have dystonia, and then the incidence of genetic dystonias are really not really appreciated. And and so, how why is it, in your opinion, so important to to intervene at a at a younger age uh, with these children? So. Um, we know from the research and from our studies that that the, the brain is very a very plastic and very dynamic um, organism, and that's what basically neurodevelopment is. These children uh, develop motor paradigms at a very young age. And we know that children that don't have significant delays in their uh, intellectual capacities and their ability to communicate. Uh, we also know that if, when children have dystonia, they develop muscle skeletal deformities such as contractures or difficulty moving. And then once we perform deep brain stimulation, we can no longer um, we can no longer intervene in a, terms of their um, injuries. So if we wait for a child to develop a contracture or deformity, and then we do deep brain stimulation, deep brain stimulation may occur too late. And it wasn't really until the FDA allowed us to do this in children less than 18 that we've been able to intervene earlier and see better outcomes. And, and how common is deep brain stimulation becoming in, in treating uh, younger younger patients? Is this something that you're seeing more and more now, um, or is it still lagging behind um, in, in treatment of dystonia? So about um, the, the numbers for about children, uh, people in general in the United States who received uh, deep brain stimulation for dystonia is about 500. Um, adults that have received deep brain stimulation for other reasons, such as Parkinson's disease and a central tremor, has reached about 130,000 worldwide. So the number of children that have actually received this intervention is extremely small, which is unfortunate because, as I said before, uh, this intervention is, if, if given early, will can provide a child a much better outcome with a and a lifelong term uh, advantages in terms of the long term development. Can, and maybe walk us through a little bit of what exactly you're doing in deep brain stimulation. Uh, maybe kind of walk us through what a patient would go through um, when 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 they have this treatment. So uh, first, we you know, you're seen by a movement specialist, and we sort of determine you know is your movement causing dystonia or not, which can be hard to distinguish from other types of injuries such as spasticity or other organic diseases to see what's happening. It requires an MRI, metabolic studies, and genetic studies. And one of the things that's been really great about Children's Mercy is we have very advanced technology uh, in terms of our genome center and people identify children, for example, that have genetic dystonias that were previously diagnosed with cerebral palsy uh, that we know um, that would do very extremely well with learning such as deep brain stimulation. Uh, we talk to the families and let them know that the FDA has approved uh, deep brain stimulation through a human device exemption, basically meaning 
that they let us use this uh, technology when nothing else really works. So we do talk about the families about other alternatives, that, uh, such as botulinum toxin injections, baclofen pumps, physical therapy, orthopedic surgery. Um, and then we discuss you know, the risks and benefits of deep brain stimulation. And I think the reason that it's not offered to children that's been so scary to do these surgeries on children. Traditionally, deep brain stimulation is done awake. Uh, where we put the electrodes into the brain, and while the patient's awake, we can use electrodes and use the settings to see if they're having a beneficial effect. And in a children's setting, um, this has been very a daunting task, especially have a seven-year-old child on an operating table with their skull open while putting electricity into it and asking them to perform certain functions. But in a children's hospital that's really dedicated to understanding these kids have been able to perform this uh, successfully uh, using child life, using uh, pediatric-oriented doctors to see if we can get optimal placement of electrodes, and then long-term therapy. So largely patient-dependent and the reverse process through an IRB or a research-based protocol. And we, we discuss with numerous doctors, including neurosurgeons, movement specialists, whole world. And we make sure that all the other options have been explored. Nothing else is working. This has been a really uh, a wonderful thing to be a part of. And how can a, a referring physician then r- refer to the initial movement and spasticity clinic at Children's Mercy? What's the process there? So we have a clinic um, that we, well, we can contact our, our movement coordinator and through our website um, where we'll come and evaluate the patient. And we'll evaluate the patient with a physical therapist, a, um, a rehab doctor, a physiatrist, uh, a neurologist, and an orthopedic surgeon. And we'll sit down with the family and meet with them all at once. And we'll discuss what problems, what concerns, what the goals of the individual family are, and discuss what other concerns they may or have. That may entail genetic testing, that may entail um, gait studies, that may entail um, experiments with certain medications that may help with movements. And at that point, if we feel that the child may benefit from deep brain stimulation, then we discuss that option uh, as well. Um, and a referring physician uh, can refer to us and get the opinion of all three doctors at once, and we can decide and communicate with the doctor what what therapies and what interventions that the family would desire. And and so when you look at the, the different patients you've treated with deep brain stimulation, is there any one patient that really stands out that you'd like to share with the audience, um, you know, how, how well the patient did, the success? Um, is there any, any anybody that stands out? <laughs> um, we have several. Um, the, the, one that, the, the first case we did here was kind of an exciting case was a young girl um, who had something called DYT11 or dystonia myoclonus. And it, it's a, a disorder where you have, not only do you have dystonia, twisting, writhing, postured movements of your feet and hands, but also has involuntary movements of her arms and legs. And uh, is also associated with an increased anxiety. Um, and she had spent most of her life trying to hide what she tries to do. She would keep her hands inside of her clothes. Um, when she tried to write, she had other people to write for her. She had to stop writing. She couldn't get a job. Um, around 16 years of age, she came and saw us, and she was having lots of anxiety, was on uh, medications to help with her anxiety. And we did uh, deep brain stimulation on her awake, and uh, despite the fact that she had all the issues with anxiety. And within two weeks, she was able to stop the jerking of her hands and feet. Within a month, she was able to do her handwriting again. Within six months, she was able to get a job, and within uh, when she turned 19, she just got engaged. And a lot of her anxiety, which is, a, which is an unexpected side effect, got better too. It turns out that some of these diseases that cause osteoporosis problems in other areas, such as depression, anxiety, and these are things that are still very early in the field of deep brain stimulation, but the things that are also been looked at that can cause a global change, a life, um, a life change for everybody. And she still comes back and talks to us, and we show her videos of what she was like before, and she just bursts in tears, realizing, you know, how much 
um, how much she's changed and how much it's, it's changed her life. And, and when you're part of that, there's nothing better than that. And that's what we do. What we do. So how many patients do you treat a year with deep brain stimulation? We, we do about one case a month. And so far we've done about 11 cases here at Children's Mercy. Um, and depending on the individual of the person. Um, and uh, we're up and coming one of the one of the more aggressive programs in the country. Right. Well, Dr. Albers, I want to thank you for the, the work that you're doing. I know it's very exciting and, and you've had some great success with it. And I want to thank you for coming on the show. You're listening to Transformational Pediatrics with Children's Mercy Kansas City. For more information, you can go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. Thanks for listening.